Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 622 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd. I'm with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I'm ready to talk about what little comic book stuff there has been in the last seven days. This is going to be a short show, Joe. Yes. <laughs> haven't done that bit in a while, but uh, how you doing? I'm doing good. Like I said, I'm ready to go. Um, I found out this week, we didn't mention it on the uh, uh, After Dark, because I'm just remembering now, I finally figured out uh, that Burger King does not agree with me anymore, of all the fast food trash that I eat. Mm, I'm finding out, see, we could do a whole After Dark about this yourself, of what I can't eat anymore. At, at almost 50, I've, I'm like, okay. Put a, put, put a pin in it. Yep, we have to change some things, but anyway. Yep, yep. Would you rather talk about comics than our failing bodies, Joe? I would, well, listen, I don't even like to acknowledge that I have a body, let alone that it's failing, but yes. What do we have to discuss for this week's episode, Todd? Right. In news, DC's like Fandome? I don't know what you're talking about. I never heard of Fandome. Uh, but that's about all. There's not a heck of a lot of news. Um, con, convention stuff. What we read last week, which was both Fantastic Four Full Circle, uh, an original hardcover, and one of the, you know just one of the, another Thunderbolts number one. Like we need another one. But anyway, um, what we're looking forward to this week. Uh, also, Todd and Joe have issues, aka Todd and Joe go rogue. Um, the final chance to sign up for something, and at the end of that, I believe, spoiler-filled talk of the latest episode of She-Hulk and the first episode of this season's Stargirl. That about covers up. it. Yeah, I'm good. I, th- I thought I messed up, Joe. I thought you were going to chastise me. No, why would I chastise you? Uh, that's right. That's for off, Mike. Um. Yeah, so uh, Todd mentioned uh, Warner DC is no-selling fandom. Uh, which has been D- DC's thing where they do a lot of their announcements and had been doing for the better part of the, like the last like three or four years. And they kind of hand waved it away saying that they're not going to be doing it um, only because like, hey, everything's back live. So we don't really need to have a reason to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's not like they're really doing anything major at any of the conventions either, you know. Right, because I haven't heard anything happening. Like, there was rumors a while back that DC was going to be part of whatever Warner Brothers would do on the floor of, like, New York and San Diego. Right. I don't know how they did San Diego, but I don't know if they're going to be at New York. Um, So, usually that DC booth at New York was out in the promenade and all that stuff to save money. I've been over this a thousand times. Um, cause they're like, who, Hey, when we're on the floor, we're just a part of the big group. But if we're out in the promenade, it's special. I'm like, no, it's not. The floor is more special. Relax. Um, but if they have it at Warner brothers, that'll be cool. But DC comics is having, which they having a booth in artist alley, the artist alley list came out and they're like, okay, here, our, Ivan Rice is in artist alley. Uh, Tom Derenick's in artist alley. So-and-so's in artist alley and DC comics is in artist alley. I only remember that ever happening once at a New York Comic Con. So I'm wondering if they're moving their shtick over to Artist Alley. That'll be interesting. Because, you know, as you mentioned, like Marvel and everyone will have like their own big section. Yep. 
And for DC not to have their own separate section to just be maybe a smaller section in Artist Alley is very interesting. You know, like I said, the fact that they're saying, well, we're not doing fandom because comic conventions are back. And then them either having little to no presence at some of the major conventions. Um, I think at San Diego, there was less DC stuff and more HBO Max stuff. Because I think that was a lot of it was focused on the new Game of Thrones prequel show. Right. And then the two movies of like uh, uh, Black Adam and Shazam. That was really all it was. Right. Right. And then Shazam ends up getting moved back anyway. So I don't think that really even matters, you know? No, I'm just saying what was at San Diego that I know of. So, yeah, nothing major, you know, because fandom was the thing where we would get like comic book announcements. Yes, yes. Even though I will admit, I don't I don't know if they did it at San Diego this year. They've been coming, bringing it back to uh, to comic Cons. I think San Diego kind of whiffed on it, but I'm hoping New York will bring that back again, again, if that makes any sense. For sure. I certainly hope so for your sake since you're going to be there. Yeah, well, we'll we'll find I'll tell you all the DC news that's fit to print when New York Comic-Con comes. Mm-hmm. And then off air you told me other stuff that's not fit to print. Yeah, just like you do for me with another subject. That's right. One that you care equally as much about this, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of conventions, if you're going to be in the area of any conventions, like I said, short news segment this week. Um, I'd say two notable ones. Uh, there's one in Ottawa, uh, Ontario, Canada, if you're in the uh, northern part of North America. Uh, Tom Fowler, Ken Lashley, and Gail Simone, I would say, making a rare, uh, if not rare, first in a long time convention appearance. Right, as long as there's no betrayals there, Joe. Right, that's where the betrayal happened. The Ottawa betrayal, man. We're coming up on the uh, 25-year anniversary of that here in a, like two months. Oh, cool. Mark your calendar. Uh, let me do that right now while you finish up. Now, over on the other side of North America in Portland is the Rose City Comic Con. Uh, and there's like nary a media guest to be seen. Uh, you got your Brian Michael Bendis, Chris Roberson, Colleen Coover, Jeff Parker, Jim Lee, Carl Kessel, Katie Cook. Mark Russell, not the political satirist musician. Uh, <laughs> Mike Dalton Allred, Paul Tobin, Kevin McGuire. Uh, I feel as though you're getting a lot of West Coast folks, and you're getting a lot of folks that might have canceled off Emerald City Comic Con. Could be. Yeah, coming on to this one. Yep. This would be a fun one to go out to, but uh, yeah, I don't, see, you know, I don't bro- see me getting on a plane. No, not again. The West Coast flight, it's not like a Japan flight or out of the country flight, but uh, that's a haul. Rose City feels like uh, maybe I don't want to say the Forgotten Con, but definitely (laughs) a Forgotten Con when it comes to ones that haven't been gobbled up by conglomerates just yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, maybe uh, give that one a little bit more love if you're out of the West Coast, you know? Yeah, we only go as far west as Chicago, Joe. Yeah, that's true. I, I marked that on my calendar, actually. Again, I double marked it on my calendar this week, you know. As long as you didn't highlight it. No, 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 I don't do that. Uh, but, yeah, you know, the links to this will be in the show notes, uh, along with stuff for Soon To Be Named Network at soon to be named Network.com, soon to be named Network.tumblr.com, 
all the shows, all of our friends that have podcasts, we kind of collect them all in one spot so you can listen to them all. Uh, whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, At Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Wings on Wings, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, uh, Porch Talk, and No Chance in Helmet, the limited series <laughs> where Todd and Marcus from Final Wrestling Place uh, go through the entire history of the NFL football helmets. And they're whittling it down to just one, one helmet to rule them all. Yep. And uh, we spent a good chunk of uh, at odds with wrestling, uh, the front of the show, talking about uh, some of the hot takes you and Marcus had, you know? I heard. I heard some people don't agree with me. Um, but what are you going to do, man? Right. Listen, listen, listen to the podcast. Download the Podbean app for your phone <laughs> or your device. <laughs> Um, and leave a comment on the episodes because that's the only way that you could comment on a Podbean thing. Leave them a review uh, on, like, you know, so leave them a positive review on the podcatcher of your choice. Right. And then tell them why you're, why they're wrong in, like, the review itself. Or comment when the post goes up on the Tumblr, which I think you can comment on stuff on Tumblr. I don't know. Um, why they're wrong, and I'll let them know. I'll pass it along to uh, Todd and Marcus. Cool beans. So, like I said, that's linked up in the show notes, of course, uh, along with a uh, friend of the show, Mike Sterling's blog, Progressive Ruin, uh, Chris Chris Schweizer's uh, art book that he has for sale, uh, Kevin Hellion's blog, Mass Library, Rick Williams, uh, free karate chops dot store dot com, uh, where you can buy those uh, resin and glow in the dark sci fi fantasy wrestling uh, sculpture things that he does. Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, friends of the show that put out self published comic books. You could purchase those, and you could also check out our comic book store, Comics on the Green, for. Any and all of your purchases, if you want to keep up on the latest releases and you don't want to go through multiple aggregators, Dave and the crew do a good job of letting you know when and where the hottest books are going to be coming out. And if you don't have a comic book shop in your area or you don't have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop. Sign up for their mail order subscription service. Get your stuff sent to you weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. And there's a chance if you do, you'll get a sketch from our good friend Becky. I don't think you can make a request, but I would request BB-8 if it was me. Um, <laughs> but you can check out her commissions, her process, her prints on her social media. And all of this stuff is linked up in the show notes to every single one of the episodes that we put out. Yes. Did you get a chance to ask Becky if I got a chance to harass her about her love for the droids in the Star Wars movies? I did not. I figured um, I didn't want to tip my hand in case uh, you didn't, you know, because that's what she would least expect of me sending you in to, to gently rib her. So Right. But hopefully the next time you're in, you'll be able to bring it up. Absolutely. So, uh, hey, let's get into what we read from this past week, huh? Yes. Um, I'm going to start with the thing I was looking forward to most, which I know you did not get a chance to read, but it was Fantastic Four Full Circle. 
um, both written and drawn by Alex Ross, an original um, hardcover. Uh, basically, well, first of all, Alex Ross drew this, did not paint it. He just uh, did uh, pencils. So that was kind of interesting. Like, I did not know when I ordered it that he was not painting it because I'm used to Alex Ross doing that. But that being said, it's, you know, beautiful Alex Ross, you know, drawing is just as good as his painting. That's the way he does his paintings. He does the pencils first and paints over them. Um, so that's there. But that was just a bit jarring. And then in some parts of the book, the coloring is really weird when we get to see a certain character shows up and I'm like, okay, it's kind of hard to figure out what's going on with all these purple greens and yellows. Um, but that being said, the story is basically someone shows up at the Baxter building. Um, and they, the thing realizes who it is. It's a character from way back in the original run of fantastic four 51 with a famous cover, uh, uh, You'd remember it like uh, this this thing, this monster kind of thing, classic cover. Um, and this person traded places with Ben without Ben knowing. And he ended up got, got sacrificing himself to save the rest of the Fantastic Four in the negative verse. Well, he shows up somehow. He's supposed to be dead and lets out all these negative verse creatures and attacks them. And they, you know, they're like, oh, okay, his body, he's dead, but somebody sent him here. So they go into the negative verse to figure out what's going on they think it's an eyeless maybe it's not an eyeless spoiler alert it's not an eyeless because they see he's doing something else and then they go off to find out that it's an even like like one of the most obscure uh fantastic four villains that i've like that i've that even i barely ever heard of and i was like okay that's kind of cool at least it wasn't what we thought and then in the end, uh, they end up making their way back home and they find the guy who was originally uh, trade plays with Ben. They find out that he is still alive. Something different happened. And in the end, they they basically go home after the adventure. I don't want to give too much away. But uh, I only liked this book. It was OK. It looked great, like I said, because of the Alex Ross art. But it was a really dry read. And Alex Ross really wanted to spew techno babble, which is great from Reed in doses. But when it's lots, I'm like, I just don't even care. And it took me three reads to get through towards the end when he really starts explaining all like all the science behind this. And I'm like, really don't care. Just want to get to the end. And I was a little bit disappointed by this. So, uh, you know, I did not read this. It's a hefty price tag of a book, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, obviously this kind of shows you how much cachet Alex Ross still has uh, in the comic book world that Marvel just kind of let him use their characters to sell a book that I think you could only get either directly through his website or Diamond. Like Marvel themselves does not have a listing for this book on their website anywhere. Yep. I do think like through Diamond, though, it was the publishing house that publishes all of Alex Ross's stuff. Yes. So that brings around. But yes, it was not Penguin Random House, like you said. So that was definitely interesting. Right. And the fact that, you know, in the description on Alex Ross's site uh, mentions that they're revisiting a classic Stanley Jack Kirby story. So, you know, obviously this fits into regular continuity, I guess. 
Yeah, it does, but I'm not sure where because they drop some like, oh, like uh, the Human Torch when you were in the negative zone. I was like, and that happened, something happened to you. And I'm like, I remember three things that happened to Johnny in the negative zone, like modern time, middle time, and Jack Kirby time. So it's like, which one are you talking about, you know? Right. So it's kind of timeless in that, but it would definitely fit into – uh, an era because the kids are still really young from Reed and Sue. So if that helps narrow it down for you. Yeah. And like I said, I, I, I mentioned it just, you know, Alex Ross still carrying that sort of cachet for Marvel to like lease out these characters for him to do whatever he wants with. Like you have the book there. Is there a Marvel editor listed Ooh. on this book? You know what? I might have to look into the, yeah. I'm, you know, it, it, I, it, it, very interesting. Um, oh, actually, here, this is interesting. Okay, so it has, like, all the people, and basically it's just Alex Ross and then the colorist and the letterer. But then it says, for Marvel, assistant editor Martin Byro, assistant editor, and then an editor Tom Breaver. So it has all the editors at Marvel, but then it says, for Abrams, here's all our editors, too. So I, I do believe, like, with the Marvel editors, if they let him do whatever he wanted, but they still had a, like, you couldn't have Ben Grimm running around murdering people by ripping their heads off. You know what I mean? So that's where I bet the uh, Marvel editors come in. It's like, we well, just got to make sure you don't do anything stupid. Right. It's just, I, I've more, I have more questions, and I could talk about this book, um, about how it came to be made as opposed to what the book actually is. Yeah, and you know what? That is the most interesting thing. And I ended up finding out that I bought the slipcase edition. The slipcase edition, first of all, both of them are sold out from, I don't know if we talked about this off mic too, both of them are sold out from Diamond and uh, uh, the, the slipcase and the regular. They are still available through uh, Alex Ross's site, and you can get them signed for like, you know, the an upcharge and everything like that. Um, but the, the slip case is going, you know, $40. It was, it's going for 150, 160 online. So I ended up picking up the hardcover to read too. Cause I didn't want to open up the slip case. And now because I didn't enjoy the story as much, it makes me want to unload the slip case because I have the hardcover. If that makes any sense. It does make that profit. Do that. Do that flip ski, Joe. Hmm. Is there a, uh, fantastic for alex ross group that you can go flip it in i did but the, even some of the nicest guys who are pro that that fantastic four group are leaving so there must be something wrong with it gotcha uh so yet again a non-marvel book featuring some of the biggest marvel characters i have a redo of a marvel book uh thunderbolts number one uh, written by Jim Zub and pencils by Sean Izakize. Sure. Uh, so I know last time there was a new Thunderbolts number one. We tried to go through and see how many Thunderbolts number ones they were. We're not going to do that this time. Uh, it's been 25 years since the first Thunderbolts uh, came out. And there's been a lot of number ones. I would say at least 10. Right. So... Uh, I'm always going to check out a Thunderbolts. This is a team captained by uh, Hawkeye. But the way that we get here is 
that when Wilson Fisk was the mayor of New York, uh, he put a bunch of villains as the Thunderbolts to be his personal team of superheroes as he had outlawed superheroes from being in New York City. Now that Luke Cage is the mayor of New York, based on the events of Devil's Reign, uh, the mayor's office still has the rights to the Thunderbolts name. And with a bunch of the folks in the government, Luke Cage puts together the best team that he possibly can. Uh, Helmed by Hawkeye, maybe not the first choice. Um, We also have America Chavez on the team. uh, Power Man on the team. Uh, Spectrum, who is um, one of the many aliases of, and again, it's killing me that I can't think of her name right now. Uh, was she one of the original Thunderbolts? No, no, there is no, or there are no original Thunderbolts uh, on this team. She was a Captain Marvel. Oh, you're thinking of Monica Rambeau. Yes. Okay. So Monica, Ram- so where I get tripped up is because they just announced that they're doing a, the first ever Monica Rambeau Captain Marvel solo book, and then she's in this as Spectrum. I thought she was in this as Photon. Oh, that's what it is. She's in the ears Photon. My apologies. Spectrum wasn't he the guy from the JLA ripoff in Marvel? Doctor Spectrum. Uh, okay, so no, not so no, no, so that's Doctor Spectrum's not in this. See, that's where the names get all confused and discombobulated. Right, but it's Monica Rambeau who was Captain Marvel, Photon. Like she had a bunch of different names over, over Ms. Marvel. Yeah, yeah. So she's on the cover of this, but she doesn't show up until the end. Uh, Persuasion, who is one of the super fast aged up Purple Man kids, and new character Guts and Glory. My favorite name in the team, Joe. Of course, of course. So they, you know, their first call to action is them taking down the previous iteration of the Thunderbolts, attempting to escape from whatever prison they're in. Uh, Monica shows up to help take them down, and we find out that maybe she was the first choice to be the leader of the team and turned them down. We get little bits of information about each character that maybe... Something's amiss, something's off, maybe their powers aren't working. Everybody has something a little bit going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this. I like any sort of characterization of Hawkeye in the Marvel Universe. This is a great characterization of him that plays off some of the more recent ones that we saw. Uh, there was a uh, Matt Rosenberg uh, miniseries that kind of plays off some of the Hawkeye stuff. And the new Power Man... Of all the times that he's appeared in books, which has been quite a bit, this is the first time that they really did a good job of explaining how his power set works. A lot of the other times, he would just have these powers and they would do like a nebulous way of explaining how they work. Mm -hmm. I felt as though this was the best way that they've ever explained those sort of things. And it's an interesting, weird team. And I like an interesting, weird team. The Thunderbolts moniker, they tried to make it work to fit into here, and I think it did. I enjoyed the first issue. What about you, Todd? Okay. I didn't like the first issue until I liked the first issue. Okay. And this is – I'm, I'm going to get there. I started reading this, and I was completely confused. And the story is told out of order, which is fine. I've read, I've read that story 
but it was very confusing. And then they were like, okay, well, the old Thunderbolts team. And after what Fisk did, and I'm like, what did Fisk do? Like, just because I haven't read all these other things maybe you were involved in are read and stuff like that. And then they did explain it throughout the book. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So I'm yes. like, I'm really lost. Not only are they keeping stuff from you, but then when they start explaining the past continuity, they're very vague about it until about three quarters of the way through the book. And that's where they explain it. I'm like, oh, okay, all this makes sense where I was dwelling on that. You know what I mean? Because I was trying to figure everything out. And once they did that, I came around on the book. I was like, okay, let me just take a, a quick gander at the past couple pages because now I don't care anymore. Um, I'll, I'll reread what I read again and it all made sense knowing what I know. And I had fun and it was the the goofy team of people that that editorial doesn't care about so Zub can do whatever he wants other than, you know, make Hawkeye the worst character in, you know, the history of the world kind of deal. As long as you don't mess with him, you can do what you want with the rest of these... So that kind of interests me. The one thing I will say is when we get to the end, I would love a Thunderbolts number one without something at the end. Like you did the greatest trick that's ever going to be in Thunderbolts number one all those years ago. So you're always trying to, to swerve me at the end somehow. And I'm like, I'm, I'm the whole time I read a Thunderbolts number one, I'm like, when's it going to happen? What are they going to do that's a little different, that's going to make me, that they want you to read the next issue for? And every time I read a Thunderbolts because of that, that's the one problem I always have. I'm always waiting for that shoe to drop. So uh, other other than that, I love the book. Yeah, and I want to double check because uh, uh, Monica Rambeau is in this book as Spectrum. That's who they have okay. her titled as. Wow, that's, that's why weird. when you were saying like, no, Spectrum, somebody else, I'm like, I'm almost certain, like, it's her, and it's one of her, like, 15 aliases and stuff. Right. Now, I didn't say, I, I was asking, because there is a, I think, uh, what's the group? That is Squadron the, Supreme. Right. I, there might be a spectrum in Squadron Supreme. There's a Doctor Spectrum in Squadron Supreme. Right. So when I didn't remember what they were calling Monica in this, but they're, like, she, like she's had so many names now, I just don't even care. Right. Right, right. And that's the thing. You know, she's on the cover of the first issue front and center. And, you know, she doesn't come until like the last third of the issue. Uh, I'm not with you as much. Like, obviously, the first ever Thunderbolts back in 1997 has the greatest gotcha of all time. I don't feel as though this one was trying to go for that one big gotcha. I think they were going for just like a little, a bunch of little mysteries, you know? Right. That's what I mean, though. I'm waiting for it. And then they're going to do I think this was done better. Yeah. So, but I still always do it. And I just do want to go through all the names of Monica Rambeau because I have them here. Go for uh, it. She was originally Captain Marvel. Then she gave that name back to Janice Vell to become Captain Marvel. So she became Photon. Janice Vell died and came back to life. He comes back and says, I'm Photon. She goes, Really? Like you took Captain Marvel from me and now you want to take Photon? Okay, I'll give you Photon. I'm going to become Pulsar. Don't know how she loses Pulsar, but then she becomes Spectrum. So she's had four superhero names. Right. I know for a period of time, like the next wave run that she was in, she was just called Monica Rambeau. She had no code name. Code name. Okay. Uh, I, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. 
Right. And like I said, where I got tripped up was I was reading this and then I was going like through like, and again, Marvel announcements, you know, it's not news, whatever, that they're doing a Monica Rambeau Captain Marvel book. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that's because they're doing the Captain Marvel 2 movie and they want to have something with her in it with the name Captain Marvel on the shelves from the movies come out. So it's just having her in two concurrent books with two different code names. Right. Well, my thing is, do you know how recent the change to Spectrum has been, Joe? We have our finger on the pulse of Marvel Comics when I tell you how long she's been Spectrum. How long has she been Spectrum? Since November 2013. Oh, okay. I was like, okay. I could have swore she was Pulsar, Photon. Like, I guess we're not the, uh, the Monica Rambeau aficionados. No, definitely not. Uh, and I do like uh, Guts and Glory, who I think is a brand new character for this. Yeah, um, because... And I like that he's just essentially like a cable knockoff. Right, because when Hawkeye asked him about him, he's like, "What are what's where's he from? Classified. What's his powers? Classified. Like, everything was classified. And I'm like... That's the that becomes the most interesting character on the team to me right now. Yes. And he's on the cover and they debut him in the second issue. Uh, But in my little bit of uh, whatever looking into things, that is ergo the unbreakable. Okay. And that is it. I like the new Thunderbolts again, a light, easy, fun book. Um, I say check it out. I agree. Uh, so that's what we read last week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd is currently in the lead over me with five correct guesses. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is going to attempt to uh, guess what I'm looking forward to coming out this week. Right. Is the book you're looking forward to most Batman 127? It is not Batman 127. It is Dark Knights of Steel Tales from the Three Kingdoms. It is Dark Knights of Steel Tales from the Three Kingdoms. Okay. Uh, I had almost written this book off because I felt as though we had not gotten an issue in quite some time. Mm-hmm. You would know. And, and then I had, I'm looking at the spreadsheet and I'm like, oh, did this one shot get canceled or something? Because this was supposed to come out in like June. And I go and I run it through DC's site and I run it through previews and Diamond and everything else like that. And DC has no date. And then Diamond has like a resolicitation date for september and it was just september right i'm like okay well it's coming and then uh two weeks ago a week ago it popped up on the early diamond list i'm like hey it's back and then like that same day where it popped up on like with a definitive september date is when the main title uh showed up with a new issue solicited for november Mm -hmm. so yeah like i said i almost had written this book off I had been enjoying it. Um, you know, Tom Taylor 
got his start in comic book writing doing Injustice, which is like an alternate tales sort of thing right. for the DC comic characters, but it's based on a video game that I don't play, so I don't understand it. Uh, this is essentially like medieval times DC superheroes. I'm like, okay, I understand that. And it had been very enjoyable. And I'm hoping this one shot is a nice shot in the arm with the book coming back for November. Right. So after all that filibustering, looking at your list of books, the one you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Alien Number One. It is not. It's Batman. Oh, get out of town. Um, I've enjoyed the Aliens and I'm liking the Predator, but I'm already... uh... What's the word I'm looking for? Burnt out. We're on a number one of a new alien book already. Like we had 13 issues and a one shot. And it's like, oh, we're starting over. And I don't know if it's tying into what we've read. Uh, that kind of put me off. And I would have been in on the tales uh, of Dark Knights of Steel if Tom Taylor wrote more than one of the stories in the book. Because it's a bunch of fill-in writers. So, oh, that's okay. I'll be all right I, with that. No, I'm just saying that's kind of why I didn't pick that one for you. Sure. But I've been enjoying Batman. I've been enjoying Batman a lot. And uh, this will be the test for Aliens. If I don't like the first couple issues of this, I could see me dropping the book. So I leaned away from Batman for you only because which iteration of Batman is teased at the end. Right. And I know you're not a fan of that particular iteration, more so the baggage that comes with it, let's say. Fair enough, but here's my take. I love all the stuff that Grant does. I hate, but I always kind of like when somebody picks up the torch. Like, I believe Grant is a good idea man. His execution is poor. So, like, whenever he did Professor Pig, I thought it was the worst but i've saw people do professor pig afterwards and i kind of enjoyed it and damien i hated when he did and i'm like now i like him i don't know i'm hoping you know that 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 uh uh who's the writer on this i can't my brain is chip zadarsky chip zadarsky can salvage a grant morrison story like other writers have had did, did i know i've talked about it before but um and i know you said about damien the Batman and Robin run that Grant did uh, where he wrapped it up and like it continued, but he had like his 18 issues or whatever he did where the last half of it was Dick Grayson as Batman and Damien as Robin. See, I don't remember if I read that or if it was the Tomasi run that came after that that I read. Right, because the Tomasi run kisses right up against that. Yeah. So I honestly, you know what I mean? Like I would tell you if I knew, I may have read it and I may have liked it, but I would really have to go bust open my boxes and see if I had those issues. For sure. It's just that I remember that when I really liked that one, like, especially how he wrapped, like, I thought, uh, you know, whatever your opinion is of Grant Morrison, I really thought he did a good job of the Dick Grayson as Batman and Damien as Robin relationship. And I think we've always discussed this. Damien works way better with Dick than he does with Bruce. Yes, for sure. Uh, so that's what we're looking forward to coming out this week. While you're looking at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out uh, what we have in place of Todd and Joe Have Issues, uh, a.k.a. the Silver Standard, a.k.a. Todd and Joe Go Rogue, a.k.a. the Battle for Second Place, 
Uh, as we all know, The Flash has the best rogues gallery in all of comics. Todd thinks Batman is the second best. I think Spider-Man is the second best. We pick the bottom of the barrel of each of their rogues galleries. Listener of the show, Grinch McScrooge, put together uh, a bracketology of all of these. And we are almost out of the second round. And I'm not going to say it on the show, but I am saying it on the show. Once the once the second round is done, that's when I'm going to put the brackets up, maybe, let's say. Okay, sure. All right. Every week I say it, and every week I forget. I should write a note for myself. <laughs> but uh, this matchup, I'll say maybe an upset. Um, but Video Man, uh, Low Rent, Space Invaders, Spider-Man Villain moves on, defeating King of Cats. Well, at least somebody will be happy at the comic shop that they weren't lame. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I don't agree with this because he was in the coolest episode of Spider-Man and his amazing friends. So the vi- Oh, he was in every episode of Spider-Man and his amazing friends? <laughs> um, In spirit, I think, Joe. Okay. They did go to an arcade that maybe he was on the side of the panel of the, the cabinet. Maybe. That's and that counts. Maybe they were playing it on their PS negative five in their oh. house. So I, you were going to say something, but uh, this is the last second round matchup, and it's two bat people. Yes. And the two bat people are, I believe, uh, the Planet Master, right, Joe? And the Ten-Eyed Man, I believe, right? Yes. Um, so uh, I don't know which one to go with, but I'll give the overview of them. The Planet Master is someone who had a planet gimmick, like arm, like suit that his suits would do d- the different powers of the planet. As, as I always joke that we all know, um, the Mercury costume would create an inferno. The Venus emitted large amounts of dense mist. Jupiter had an embiggening ray, um, to make things enormous because Jupiter is a gas giant. Um, Saturn had rings that around it that would he be able to like use as projectiles, and uh, he never had anything about Uranus, Joe. So that was sad. But I always thought that you know he's a stupid villain. He has the powers of planets that doesn't even make any sense. Um, but I think the edge goes to the ten-eyed man whose powers are his fingertips are now his eyes because he had damage to his optic nerves and he could see with his fingers and that would be great and all like, you know, as a really bad power to have, but, but the costume is really the thing that's over the top with all the eyes on it. It is one of the worst costumes I've ever seen. So of the two of them, I lean towards the, Ten eye man. Like, what if you're eating something salty? Does that get in your eyes, Joe? I don't understand. Ten eyed man is bad. So, see, I was gonna, you know, obviously before you uh, made your pitch, I'm glad we're on opposite sides for this. Uh, I say vote for uh, Planet Master. Uh, Planet Master, I think, will be easier to get bumped off by uh, a Spider Man villain in later rounds. Right. Vote Ten eyed man, people. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, nextly and almost lastly, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out our T public store, uh, housed at tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. The sale is next week for 35% off, uh, everything. And you can get designs inspired by the show on anything and everything from cell phone covers to notebooks and everything in between. 
Uh, if you want to get a fancy logo on a shirt or a pin or a sticker, you can contact us directly on the store link over on longboxheroes.com. You can go sign up for our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash longboxheroes. As little as a dollar a month, you get two extra shows from Todd and myself. One covering the independent films of Mark Pirro. Uh, we're going to be recording the next one of those next week and previewing the past where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. Uh, September 1992 was just done last week. And uh, Todd and I do a lot of discussing and reminiscing about the death of Superman yes. and a lot of stuff that we forgot about the ramp up to it pre it becoming, you know, and what would qualify in 1992 as like a multimedia sensation. Yep. The beginning of things at, at that time in comics. Yeah, for sure. So like I said, a dollar a month, you get those two bonus shows. Uh, you get the full scans of those preview catalogs that we'll be discussing uh, expertly done by a professional. Uh, you can also pay $5 a month, get those shows two weeks before everyone else and get long box heroes after dark two days before everyone else. So you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Uh, you could also uh, make any and all of your purchases through the Amazon affiliate banner at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com uh, or in the show notes to any single anywhere that you get these episodes. Uh, it does not cost you anything extra. Amazon calls it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy. Uh, when he gets his cut of the money at the end of the month, I mix that up, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click through this past week include uh, somebody purchased Seinfeld, the official cookbook. Oh, cool. Is it just all cereal and soup? What is it? Uh, probably. Maybe how to put two small salads in one big bowl. I don't know. All Greek to me. I was going to say, none of these jokes are landing with Todd, but Seinfeld people are laughing. Well, good for them. Uh, somebody also purchased a Beef and Bay 3D printer protect protective cover. Beef and Bay Bay. <laughs> and somebody also purchased a board game play mat. Ooh, well, you don't want to get your, you know, stains on your play board or whatever. I guess. I That's, guess. That's uh, a... That's a, th the next step is getting one of those fancy tables that are made just for gaming that Ooh. has like all these extra drawers to put dice and stuff in. I want a gaming table, but it's a little different. There you go. Right. Uh, just what uh, a roulette wheel in your house. <laughs> yep. Yep. That flips over when the cops come. Yes. <laughs> right, just so. an ordinary pet store. <laughs> what kind of pet store is raucous at three in the morning? Uh, the best damn pet store in town. <laughs> yeah. But uh, is that everything from, from yours? Yes. Okay. We've also had uh, people who've hooked up their comiXology to uh, Amazon. Uh, we had Breakout number three, issue uh, two of Ant-Man, Mech Strike Monster Hunters number three, The New Champion of Shazam number two, Batman, Dear Detective, number one, and the book Joe's looking forward to most, Dark Knights of Steel, Tales from the Three Kingdoms, number one. Yeah. Uh, again, them. that's one of the things of DC books coming out on a Tuesday. 
and us not getting our books until a Wednesday that those books will show up on the uh, Amazon report, you know? Yep, yep. And uh, it's real weird the time that those get updated, you know? Like, I'll look at the list at, like, 9 o'clock in the morning and then look at it at 9 o'clock at night, and there'll be completely different things on the lists, you know? Yeah, yep. And uh, I guess, uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did not have any art attacks this week. No, and I'll put the plea out there again. You know, if you yourself are a burgeoning artist, uh, maybe you're heading to a convention, buying some original art, uh, you got a sketch done, something commissioned, uh, tweet it out, tag Todd's Art Attack on it, and we'll be sure to share it with the rest of our listenership. Right. And uh, I think we are literally days away from, as of this recording, uh, less than 24 hours in a walk-up from the uh, NFL season beginning. Uh, there is still time to sign up for our group, Pigskin Pickums. Uh, we got a ton of folks. We've rolled over onto page two of the people in the group, you know? Yep, yep. That's always good to see. I think we'll g- probably gain a few, uh, you know, in the next, as we record this day or two, and then that will be the, uh, you know, everybody in the group. Yep. And I did all the other day. I had some free time. I went, th- I went through. I did all my picks for the season. I will not be changing them. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to say, like, oh, this this team had a replacement. So I got to do. Nope, everything's in there. I'm never touching my picks again. But it'll be interesting to see how I end up doing against everyone else. Right, right. Um, but yeah, so sign up. It's fun. It's just uh, something to talk about. Something to do. It's uh, at least it's a way to make football interesting. You know. Right, sure, because it needs to be interesting. It certainly does. Yep. If you're not listening to a podcast about the helmets, this is the next best bet. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so I think that's it for the main show before we get into uh, TV talk, eh? Yes, it is, I believe. All right. So let's talk about She-Hulk number, or episode three of She-Hulk, right? Mm-hmm. The People vs. Emil Blonsky. When we last left our hero, Jen Walters, she was about to defend Emil Blonsky to his parole board. And footage had come out from uh, Shang-Chi where Abomination was competing in an underground fight club, a kumite, if you will. (laughs) Right. So obviously this flies in the face of what Emil had said to Jen. Um, but obviously it's revealed that Wong, uh, Sorcerer Supreme is the one who broke him out because it was a life or death situation. Um, he gave, uh, Emil the opportunity, the chance to not go back to prison, but Emil chose to, um, again, further proving the fact that he is definitely telling the truth in regards to all of this. Mm -hmm. Uh, we do find out in this, uh, episode that maybe those pen pals, are just the people that he's going to have on his cult, on his farm that he's going to be opening, as yep. opposed to what many people thought was going to be the Thunderbolts. Yeah, Marvel knows what they're doing with that stuff. Yeah, but that could be a clever ruse as well, you know? Uh, that's what I think, too. I definitely think. Though I do think Blonsky's telling the truth 100%. Okay. No, I don't. Anyway, I think he's lying through his teeth. Uh, yeah, I think he's just doing a very convincing job of it, right? Right. Uh, so that's our A story, and our B story is uh, Dennis Bukowski, who Jen was previously <laughs> uh, at the DA's office with, uh, got 
he he got worked for sure uh, <laughs> by a light elf from New Asgard who changed her form to make him think that he was dating Megan the Stallion. And they go to court over it. And then there's discussion in the episode in regards to... So it happens in the first two episodes. We didn't talk about it so much um, there. But it happens a lot more in this episode, which I'm super cool with. It gives this this show such a different tone. Where Jen kind of looks at the camera and explains to us what's going on. Right, she breaks the fourth wall. Breaks the fourth wall, just like in the She-Hulk book. A lot of times, if you've never read the She-Hulk comic books, there's a lot of TV shows, a lot of sitcoms that have done this trope, but they did it in the comic book, so to bring it into the TV show, it's like the snake eating its own tail sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, whether it be her discussing the number of guest stars or that, uh, what's his face, uh, Dennis claims that the light elf should have some sort of something to take her powers away and then jen's like oh did i just figure out one of my own problems we'll come back to that later like looks right at the camera like oh that'll be interesting my favorite one is when they're in the bar and her uh, jen's temp and the 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 lawyer are talking and and she just she literally leans into the camera and goes like uh this is where the a plot and the b plot cross over and i'm like that that's the one that that made me laugh the most because just that the classic leaning into a frame is it yes. just makes me laugh. So, so uh, Jen ends up testifying to help uh, prove uh, in favor of Dennis by you know kind of testifying what a big jerk he actually is. Um, we do get a cameo at the end from the Wrecking Crew, who ain't like no Wrecking Crew that we've seen before in the comics. Right. And then our post-credit sequence apparently ruined a lot of people's lives. So, um, what did you think of this episode, Todd? Um, I, I, I like this episode. It wasn't my favorite of the first of three, you know what I mean? But that's, you know, just down a little bit. Um, I do feel like, uh, who's the, the guy that worked, uh, with, uh, Jen who needs the, the lawyer, um, uh, Dennis Bukowski. Dennis Bukowski feels like a character that would feel more at home on the boys than <laughs> than on uh, Jen She-Hulk, uh, attorney at law, because um, he's he's so dirtbaggy. He he almost could hang out with uh, Homelander. Um, but otherwise, I I I had fun with this episode. Um, like I said, wasn't the best, wasn't the worst. Uh, just uh, but I did kind of like. The, the the wrecking crew, even though it's a different version. The fact that we had what is probably going to be an Asgardian-powered crowbar, just, like, I never thought I'd live to see that in my life. And uh, they were after her blood. Some secret society is after Jen's blood. So that, you know, I want to see where that goes. Uh, yeah, I think, like I said, I, I definitely will say that I think I like this episode a little bit more than you did. Right. Um, I thought this was a lot of fun. The show is finally f- feeling its groove. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, the, the, the post-credit sequence uh, where, you know, Jen ends up having Megan the Stallion on as a client and they do a celebratory dance, including the two of them twerking. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at the point where no matter how much it, it bugs me, the special effects in this show are so dodgy when it comes to Jen. <laughs> they're perfect. Uh, no, they're not. And a lot of people were very upset. 
there was memes going around that Tony Stark died so that this could happen in a Marvel TV show. Right. But all I want to say is Megan the Stallion and Jen Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk, are women who are out there twerking hard for the money show. Yeah? Twerking hard. Come on. That's good. That's good stuff. Is it good stuff? It is. Well, at least that's what my writers told me. Oh, okay. Well, you and I have different writers, I think. That is true. Uh, but again, it's a, it's a light, fun show. They got a huge name guest star to be on the show to kind of play with their characters. Um, And I don't know, man. Like, you can have, like, fun and lighthearted stuff in the Marvel Universe. Not everything has to be dank and dour and dire, you know? And here's the thing, Joe. The I, I 100% agree with you. And I know I've bagged on humor in the in the Marvel Universe. But it's been with heroes that I... Like, let's just put it this way. I've read a lot of Thor books in my life. Or not a lot, but I've read a lot of Thor compared to other people. I don't remember any super funny runs of Thor. So, like, when they do it in Thor, I'm like, okay, that's never... I've never read anything like this with Thor. So then it bothers me. But She-Hulk... She-Hulk's run under John Byrne was one of the funniest books out there at the time. So her having fun and doing this stuff with the mixed-in newer stuff, it, it really doesn't affect me. And I actually like it. Like I said, I don't hate this episode. I don't want you to think that. Um, I just wasn't super keen on everything compared to the other episodes. But I, I, I'm having fun. And Jennifer Walters is the first new truly charismatic character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as far as I'm concerned. Like, I like her. I don't just like the character. I like Jen in this. So that's that's kind of why, you know, I, I just when people bag on it, I'm like, I, I don't get it, you know. So anyway, that's it. For sure. So the other book that we, or the other book, the other show that we watched uh, was the return season three of Stargirl, uh, subtitle Frenemies, chapter one, The Murder. Mm -hmm. uh, while Stargirl and her family are gone to Yellowstone for the summer, everyone misses her. Uh, and again, I know it's Sylvester Pemberton. But I will never not say Joel McHale. It's Joel McHale. Uh, he's left back at the house. He fixes everything that's wrong at the house while they're away. Um, obviously, and then uh, Sportsmaster and his wife, whose name I forget, have Tigers. moved in. Right. Uh, they've moved in next door to the Whitmores. Uh, Artemis is looking to join up with the JSA. And the gambler comes back to town. He is looking for his long lost daughter. Mm -hmm. And we're in spoiler territory. So I'm okay in talking about this. Um, the no limit gang who were cronies of the gambler show up causing a doing a crime. The other members of the JSA are like, well, if they're in town, then the gambler's up to no good. I don't care what he says. And then, of course, the gambler ends up getting killed, and Cindy is the one holding the gun while it happens and says, I'm not the one who did this. Yep. There's a lot more that happens in this, but that's your bare bones, your fishbone of the plot. Um, 
I thought this was fun. They did a good job of recapping the previous season to get every everybody caught up to what was going on. And uh, I don't trust Joel McHale whatsoever. Um, I'm going to come around to that. I'm going to just touch on a few things that I liked about this 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 episode. I did like the fact that uh, our man Rick Tyler is trying to uh, re, uh, resurrect Solomon Grundy. So he's like bearing them all over to wherever the shade says this would be, could be a good spot. So I, I kind of like that. I like the bit with, uh, I can't think of the, she's Dr. Midnight um, with her parents smothering her. Like they all have their little side stories that I know are going to weave in and out. And uh, I was actually hoping that the gambler would be around for a little bit longer, but that made me sad that he's gone. But I'm uh, one last thing now that Seth Green is the voice for the Thunderbolt is throwing me off because I didn't like Jim Gaffigan as the voice, but now it's like Seth Green. I'm like, eh, just get somebody that's talent that's talented that I don't know. Like too many too many voices that get uh, what's his name? Get uh, Mark Hamill to do it. He can do any voice. Get John <laughs> DiMaggio. Yeah, somebody. I Have don't know. Bender's voice. Right. Oh, I would. Uh, you know what? That one I would like. Have but, uh, Peter Cullen do Optimus Prime's voice as the Thunderbolt. You know what? Every If they do every season, uh, it's a different Thunderbolt voice, then I'm on board. That Maybe that's be, what they're going to do. That would be great. But I have a feeling they couldn't get, they couldn't pay that sweet, sweet Jim Gaffigan money that, <laughs> that he gets. So, but whatever. But I'm with you because, uh, on Starman, he comes back and he starts doing the bit where he kind of starts angling for the staff back. He like builds the case next to his bed and then he takes it without asking a Courtney and blah, blah, blah. But when it's over, I'm like, there's something did, is, is this a neuron thing? What's going on? here? <laughs> yeah. When he and Luke Wilson are having the beers at the end of the episode Mm-hmm. And he's just, you know, making the slightest of digs against him, you know? And I'm right. just like, there's something up here, something fishy. I don't like it. I like, agree. Is he just a jerk of a character? Or as you mentioned, is like Neron or somebody else involved? And, you know, and obviously, Courtney, the, the crux of this, you know, this episode and a good chunk of this season, I'm sure, is going to be Courtney being a little bit more forgiving of the villains, uh, letting them, you know, seek their redemption or at least help them seek their redemption because, you know, or abandonment issues. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and I did like, what was the no limit gang, which is apparently the Royal flush gang with the numbers filed off. Joe. Right. It's a combination of the Royal flush gang and the no limit soldiers. Hootie who. Right. But I looked it up. I don't believe there was ever a no limit gang at DC comics. So I think maybe they're, they're going to be using the Royal flush gang as a property. I know they're in the flash like last season. So maybe they can't have them too, but, uh, the No Limit Gang is not a good name for a gang. And um, Gambler's Daughter is someone, right? That's someone I, who exists? Uh, yes, there was a Gambler too. Uh, I forget actually who it was, uh, but there was somebody like that. Okay. According I'm, to uh, Wikipedia, the most trusted source of all DC low-rent uh, characters... She was Hazard. 
yes, there was a hazard. She had actually, if I remember, had a really cool costume. Right. Uh, she like looks like an old timey, like you know, casino dealer type person. Yep. Uh, but there's already been a Rebecca Sharp hazard on the Flash TV show. Okay, so that's interesting. Well, I, yes. I have a feeling they're gonna bring her back. Like that's the the rights have run out for that on Flash. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where the Royal Flush Gang was just this kind of last season. You know. But we'll see. I do like that costume on Hazard, though. Yeah. That is pretty sweet. It's, uh, what, uh, you know, in, you know, an Infinity Inc. Uh, character, right? Yes, and very, like, uh, Zatanna adjacent. Yes, there you go. But I really liked Stargirl. We've, I've, you know, we've had a soft spot for, you know, sometimes the costumes or cgi are a little touchy you know well that's just you i don't mind any i don't mind she hulk cgi and i don't Uh, mind the costumes or cgi in uh star girl so you 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 say i know we when you got a mouse in your pocket you know say i a little more all right fair enough so uh so that's all we got yep short show uh i'll look at the time here momentarily uh but Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, This was episode 622 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.